Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. The Green Bay Packers didn't get any immediate help in the draft, and they didn't make any deals before the recent trading deadline. Are the Packers still equipped to make a return trip to the NFC Championship game? Welcome, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for another Packers podcast. Rob, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing, Gary? I am doing well. You know, the election is over. We can put that behind us, and they have a vaccine on the way, and it's supposedly going to be 90, 90% effective, which is incredible. I mean, what, what remarkable timing on that vaccine, right, Gary? Yes, yes. <laughs> Isn't everything in life you know about timing. We'll hey, leave it at that. Yeah, well, we'll we'll leave our political views out <laughs> for for another week or two. But uh, what I want to talk about today is: Are the Packers good enough to uh, get back to the NFC Championship? Rub, you know, like I said it, in the intro, they didn't get any help in the draft. They didn't get any help uh, before the trading deadline. What you see is what you get, and is that good enough? Do you think to uh, get back to the NFC Championship? You know, shockingly, Gary, I think it is. As Green Bay sat home Sunday afternoon and kind of healed up and their guys did yard work or ordered pizzas and watched games, whatever it is they did, they got a lot of help around the conference. Uh, Seattle goes to Buffalo and loses 44-34. New Orleans beats Tampa Bay, which was a huge help to Green Bay. Obviously, the Buccaneers had beat the Packers a few weeks earlier. Green Bay still sits in the number three spot, Gary, in the conference. It's, it's mm-hmm. the Saints one, the Seahawks two, the Packers three. They're all tied, though, at six and two records. And and, and really, Gary, as is, is, is you look down the stretch here, the second half of the season, things do line up remarkably well for Green Bay to, to make a run at a 13-3 and three type of season. Five home games. A couple of them are tricky. Tennessee which will run the ball 50 times probably against them, could, could be tough. The same thing maybe with Carolina when McCaffrey comes in. Mm-hmm. But overall, Gary, those home games don't scare you a whole lot. And then the road games are Indianapolis, which I think will be tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detroit, which I'm on the record of saying I think will win that game against Green Bay. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> and we're going to stick with it at least for the time being until proven otherwise. And by the way, Gary, Gary I want to go back about two or three weeks ago. And oh, here give we you go. Ma- no, and give you huge props for before we even talked about that Packer-Viking game, when, when we talked about future Green Bay records and we were kind of projecting through the course of the season, you had Minnesota, which I, I'm sure had one win at the time, coming into Lambeau Field and, and beating the Packers, and sure enough, they did, which is why none of these home games or none of these games are a total lock. Uh, Minnesota might have saved its season that day, and they sure seem to have things turn around. But, but nice call by you that day. Well, wow, you looking and, for a raise already? <laughs> yeah. You want you know, your contract I'm, I'm, renegotiated? I'm for, a few, for a few extra Benjamins, Gary, you know me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, to me, at that point, I just thought it was going to be a desperation game for the Vikings. And uh, as we'll talk about later, I mean, it was the uh, coming out party again for, you know, Delvin Cook. I mean, right. who's been right. just, just amazing. I mean, he tore up the Packers and he had another monster game you know, on Sunday. So Gary, just back to the conference again, quickly, you know, Green Bay, again, the second half of that schedule is not even close to daunting. The opponent's winning percentage that they have coming up over the next eight weeks is 470. 
-hmm. And again, five of the eight at Lambeau and four of the last six at Lambeau when the weather gets nasty and it typically is in Green Bay's favor. The Saints at six and two, four home games, four road games. You know, their, their opponents aren't great either, Gary. 30 and 38, a 442 winning percentage. So mm-hmm. their schedule's pretty soft, and, and they've got things figured out. It looks like they've won five in a row and absolutely hammered Tampa Bay. Seattle actually has the easiest schedule, Gary. They're 6-2 and two right now, as we know, but their, their next eight games come against teams that are combined 26 and 39, wow. uh, about, a four, about a 400 winning percentage. So That, so that should help up, uh, well, Russell Wilson. You know, now, now here, they, they are <laughs> – they're right. They are slanted a little bit. I'll say this. Like the Jets are 0-9. The Giants only have a couple of wins. Washington's uh-huh. in there. They still have to play everybody in their division. And they actually, I think, have to play the Rams twice. Oh. So um, so, so their, their NFC West foals are going to give them fifth. So you could certainly see Seattle losing a couple times. It's their four games outside the division that you can pretty much circle as wins right now. Um, and, and Tampa Bay, I don't know what to make of them right now, Gary. They're they're, they're, they're tricky. They're, they're six and three. They haven't had the buy yet. That, that might come this week or next, I think. But boy, the, the way they didn't show up Sunday night or, or just got annihilated by New Orleans makes you wonder about them. So I, I mean, Gary, I think the conference is a hundred percent wide open. Everybody's got flaws. I mean, I, I think Seattle is dynamic on offense, but they have one of the five worst defenses in football. It's, it's what we've penalized the Packers on for years when, when we sit around and say Green Bay can't make a run to this point or that point because of the defense. Well, Seattle's in the exact same boat right now. New Orleans probably looks like the most complete team out there when Michael Thomas is back and they're playing defense like mm-hmm. they did the other night. Uh, Tampa's a little bit of a mystery coming off that game. And I keep saying this, Gary, the one team that I think everybody's got to watch out for and is scary even though they lost on Sunday is Arizona. I think that's a matchup a lot of people wouldn't want to see. I mean, Kyler Murray's good for 350, 400 total yards every single game. They play decent defense. Um, They're a little bit scary. But to the initial question, Gary, can they get back to the NFC Championship and even win the NFC, Gary? I say 100% yes. I mean, this this last week was huge for them. So you're on the bandwagon, obviously. Well, I, I, think everything, I think everything broke well for them over the last week or two. They did what they had to do in San Francisco and took care of business against, you know, a, a JV team. And uh, the San Francisco 25ers, I've, I've seen people call them because they had half of their people, which is kind of funny. But I just think across the board, the, the conference is, isn't great. Um, the, there's, a, there's a few good teams. Nobody's dominant, Gary. Um, it's not like the AFC where, where I think Kansas City and Pittsburgh and Baltimore are probably all better than Green Bay. Uh, but they don't have to play those teams until potentially a Super Bowl. I think the NFC is 100% wide open, and, and I think things do line up where Green Bay can make another run. You were touching on the uh, Arizona Cardinals and uh, their exceptionally good young quarterback, Kyler Murray. Do you remember, Rob, at the uh, NFL Combine a couple of years ago? I know you were there. And when Kyler Murray came out to meet the media, I just happened to be in the path where he was walking to the podium, right? And I was shocked. I mean, I was like, wait a second. This is Kyler Murray who's going to be the number one pick? I couldn't believe how small he was. I mean, I, I don't know what they list him in the program. Probably, what, five, five, eleven, six foot, whatever. 5'10 is actually what they list him at, Gary, and I think that's about right. I think that's what he measured that day in Indy. Just, it was like 5'10 and an eighth or something like that. I'd have to go back and look it up. But they're honest with the listing. But 
don't forget, he, he's a 4-3 guy. I mean, think about that. He's yes, a 4-3 yes. quarterback. And every time he steps on that field, he in all likelihood, unless they're playing the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill, he is the fastest player on the field. I mean, it, it's just remarkable watching him. It's, it's like watching a video game. I say that time and time again. He's like watching a video game character. Mm-hmm. And then the difference between him and like a Michael Vick who ran in that range as well, Gary, is this Murray throws the ball just so remarkably well. His touch on deep balls is terrific. He's got one of the top five receivers now in football when they went out and traded for Hopkins. And, and those two, for the most part, have, have had a great year together. No, I just I think Arizona is one of those teams, if you see him in the playoffs, Kind of like when Michael Vick came to Lambeau about 20 years ago. It's a scary, scary matchup. He, that dude is really just just that gifted and talented, Gary. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, this topic came up last night. I, I was talking to uh, my good friend Chris Thomason, who covers the uh, Minnesota Vikings for the uh, St. Paul Pioneer Press. And we were talking about some of the small quarterbacks. And I think it might have started with Russell Wilson. You know, I mean, when, when he came in, everybody had doubts about him, and he's probably, what, a 5'11", I'm guessing, somewhere in that ballpark. But, but He's not six, I know that. Yeah. There, he, there you go. So, I mean, the, the, there's been a bunch of undersized quarterbacks, and we were just talking about how the game has, has radically changed in perspective to quarterbacks. I mean, do you remember, like, I mean, it's not that long ago, the prototypical quarterback had to be 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, you know, in the pocket. And now that that uh, blueprint has uh, been thoroughly thrown out the window. I mean, it, it, it's become almost a small man's game. I think at the end of the day, and, and Trevor Lawrence will kind of reemphasize that point this, this next draft, Gary. I, Good, you point. Know, I, I, Good point. You know, I, I, I think the NFL people in general want the Andrew Lux. They, you know, they want the Trevor Lawrence's, the 6'4", 6'5", 227, you know, 227-pound kind of guys that, that stand in there have some mobility, but Gary, when you get an athlete, like obviously Arizona did uh, getting a guy like Murray, like, like you touched on Seattle uh, with, with Russell, you, you jump all over those kind of guys they, they do change the game dramatically. The, the big, the biggest question and the biggest knock on some of those guys through the years has been, how do they throw the football? Right. I mean, that's still the knock on Lamar sure. Jackson, for example, and in, in Baltimore, he, he can beat you with his legs every single time. But at some point in time, when you're down 14, nothing, when you're down 24, 10 mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, exactly. and you need that quarterback to start flinging it around, Michael Vick could never do that to rally you back and win games. That's still the knock on Lamar Jackson and, and people like that. So, so that's always the one concern, but, but that's not a concern with Murray again, Gary. I mean, that's, this, this guy throws the ball as well as almost anybody in the league already. And he's in his second season. And we, I know we did MVP stuff last week. He's, he's right in the hunt. I know they're five and three and, they, and they're coming off a loss to the dolphins, but man, that guy will be in the top six when it's all said and done for MVP as well. That is true. Getting back to the Packers. Now we all know that Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and Zadarius Smith have to play at a high level for the Packers, you know, to have any shot of getting to the Super Bowl. But is there maybe a player or two that if they elevated their game, you know, coming down the stretch here, uh, one player in offense, one player on defense, who, who could be those difference makers, guys that, uh, you know, maybe get the, get the Packers over the hump? Well, if you'll allow me, Gary, I'm going to go two on defense. You can do whatever you want. This, <laughs> <laughs> this is America, democracy, be, be, I think. Because, Gary, I, I, I honestly believe that the head coach is smart enough and he's clever enough to, to find a way to get 30 points in most playoff games. So now the question is, can you win 30-27? 
or is mm-hmm. this defense gonna gonna still be so abhorrent that you're gonna lose forty to thirty, right? And right. forty to twenty seven, or or whatever it is. The first one that clearly jumps to mind is Preston Smith, and mm-hmm. and we've talked about him on this show a lot, and and and, and it's kind of a no brainer, Gary, for the for the most part. I mean, they gave him the four years and fifty two million dollars eighteen months ago, back in March of nineteen to come in and be an impact player. And he was no question about it in 2019 today, Gary, he has a half a sack. He has one tackle for loss. He has four quarterback hits and he hasn't been part of one single turnover play. Mm. And we're talking about a guy, Gary, who's been on the field, 81% of the snaps. He's that he's not a part-time player. He's not a 50% player. He's on the field four of every five snaps, and he's 11th on the team in tackles. And I know you love the tackle stat. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely crazy just how little they've gotten this year out of Preston Smith. So, so if they're going to make a run uh, in, in the second half, Gary, and, and make a run in the postseason, he's got to step it up in, in a big, big way. And I know he's dropping in coverage a little bit more this year, but he's had plenty of chances to get after quarterbacks, and he just he hasn't got it done. He hasn't finished. He was, he was much better the other night against the 49ers. He was actually active and, and made some things happen. But, again, take that with a grain of salt, right? Just look who was on the field for San Francisco. Yeah, they, exactly. had about, yeah. they had about eight or ten of their preferred starters um, out of 22. I mean, I've, I've, I'm not sure I've ever seen a team that decimated by injury and COVID and everything else that they were dealing with. Um, so Preston clearly to me is number one. But the second guy, Gary, uh, it has to be Darnell Savage, who's had a really disappointing second Interesting. Year. There you go. Yeah, he, go he's, he's been pretty invisible. Um, they drafted him uh, under the full belief that he would be a, a difference maker in back, be part of five, six, seven turnover plays a season, almost be the 2020 version of what Nick Collins gave him in 2010. And um, he, he hasn't done that this season. He hasn't come close. He, he was pretty active and, and made some plays for him early in 2019, Gary. And then he had that ankle injury, and he really wasn't the same in the second half. Well, he hasn't done a whole heck of a lot in 2020 whatsoever. Again, I know he's been dinged. He's been out a couple of games. But they need these kind of players, Gary, that are just kind of middling right now and taking up space on the field and playing at a C-minus, a D-plus kind of level to take their games to a B or a B plus down the stretch. If, if they're going to make any kind of run uh, inside the conference and obviously at a Lombardi trophy, when it's all said and done, Savage is the one guy too, Gary in the back who, who can do that. I mean, Jair mm-hmm. Alexander has been really good. Amos is what he is by now. He's a, he's a box safety. Who's pretty sure with his tackles stiff in the hips. He's, he's not going to get, uh, you know, he's not going to be part of six, seven, eight turnover plays a season. He doesn't have that, playmaking ability in him he's their Morgan Burnett right now um and Kevin King when he's on the field he's he's been fine but again they need to get him back but Savage is the one guy who can really tilt the field this group just hasn't had any turnover plays whatsoever I I think that interception they had the other night from Raven Green was their first in five games um and and they need some safeties to do that and they need some some defensive backs to do it Gary it's it's why the the Packers uh, entered that 49er game with an opposing quarterback rating uh, against them of 110 uh, because they just haven't turned anybody over whatsoever. Well, Savage is a guy who's got the athleticism, the speed, the smarts. I mean, he really does have everything, Gary. Um, the light hmm. just needs to go on, and he's got to start making some impact plays. So for this defense to move from, let's say, 20th or 18th or whatever they are 
when you add it all up in the league to a top 12-ish kind of defense. They need a couple of these guys to really step up their games. Those would be my two picks, Gary, Preston Smith and Darnell Savage. I couldn't agree more with you on Preston Smith. I was a little surprised by uh, your second choice, but you're absolutely correct. Two guy, I got two sleepers, Rob, and, yep. and you know nobody talks about these guys. So this is coming from way out in left field. My first one is Jace Sternberger, okay? Now, he has been what? Would you call him a disappointment at this stage? I mean, he certainly hasn't you know, lived up to a number three pick, at least in my mind. I think we're getting real close to that, Gary. If, mm-hmm. if when the season's done, this is what Sternberger is, or halfway through 2021, we know this is what Sternberger is, then yes, you can clearly say he wasn't worth a three. You know, I, I keep thinking of this uh, player personnel director I know. And, and when the Packers picked Sternberger, he said to him, that was a great pick. He said that kid could get 55 to 60 catches a season, especially playing, you know, with Aaron Rodgers. And, and, and the more I see Sternberger, man, I'll tell you what, he, he seems to have the package. And I tend to agree uh, with this uh, player personnel director. I mean, he's had a couple flashes. He had like three catches, I think, against the Vikings. He had three catches against the Saints. And I'm thinking like, again, this is out in left field, but the Packers need their tight ends to step up going forward because, I mean, it's very, very apparent. Teams are going to try to shut down Devonta Adams, and if they try to do that, their tight ends should be able to get open. So uh, Jay Sternberger is one of my picks. The other one, <laughs> I can't. I don't. I don't know if I'm ready to call him a bust or not. But it's now or never for Rashawn Gary. You know, the guy has been just wild. I, I, you can't even say he's wildly erratic because he, <laughs> he he hasn't had a good game yet. Right? I mean, a standout game, right? Has he even had one where you know, like, you go, wow, he, he's he's an impact player. He made a difference on this game. Gary, I think there was a game early in the year. Maybe it was the Lions. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. As I get older, they start to blur a little bit yeah. on me. But he had like a sack and a half in, in that game. You know, I, I think he had a TFL or two along the way. I will say this again. Uh, he, he was working against a backup left tackle at times, uh, mm-hmm. and so was the Darius Smith. But last Thursday against the 49ers, Gary was pretty active, and he was in the backfield a lot. I, I'm, I'm with you totally, though. He's one of these guys that has everything in terms of, of measurables, literally what you would carve out uh, from, from every potential aspect at, at that position. And he, God, the guy, the guy just looks so good on paper. You know, it's the whole Tarzan Jane type deal. Yeah, it? exactly. It, I mean, it, it really is. And he just doesn't get it done most Sundays when you step on the field. I, I'm with you, Gary. When, when you take a guy that high early to mid first round, He's, he's got to give you more than I'm, I'm just looking here, 11 tackles, one and a half sacks. And I think all, I think that sack and a half came early in the year, just did just in that one game. It might've been the lions, Gary, and they need more on a down in down out basis out of him. Um, especially because Preston isn't giving him much on, on the other side. And, 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 and all the productivity from that group really comes back to Zedarius. You know, uh, it, it reminds me of a conversation I had with a uh, NFL scout this this offseason, and I brought up Gary's name specifically because he was the 12th pick in the draft, and, and, and a lot of people really liked him coming out. And I asked this guy what his opinion was, and, and this guy didn't like Gary. He loved Gary. He, he thought he could be a star player, 
And uh, the, the interesting remark he made, though, was when I asked him, who, who do you kind of compare him to? And he said, Michael Strahan. And I go, wait a minute, wait a minute, Michael Strahan. He goes, yeah, he, go, he said, I really believe he could be the next Michael Strahan. And I'm going, wait a minute, Michael Strahan played defensive end. <laughs> Rashawn Gary's playing outside linebacker. And he had a problem of how they were playing him. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you just wonder if this guy was onto something or not. But the, 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 the bottom line is I, I think this kid, even though it's his second year, is at a crossroads. He, he's got to step up. I'm with you. And, Gary, I talked to a ton of people before that 19 draft as well, scouting people. And, and the general consensus across the board was nobody could figure out why his productivity at Michigan wasn't greater. He was the number one recruit high school-wise coming out, certainly at his position. He has everything from a physical standpoint that, that you would dream of in an outside linebacker slash defensive end. Um, but again, Chase Winovich doubled him in most key numbers back in their time together at Michigan, and none of these scouts could, could figure out why, other than the fact, I mean, they, I, I will say this, at least back at college, Gary, Gary was double teamed a lot more than some of these other guys, and, and, and he was kind of an anchor uh, in, the, in their run defense where they asked him to play run first. But again, he had time and time again chances to get after quarterbacks and, and failed to do so. And, and that's kind of been the verdict, too, here in, here in Green Bay. I mean, remember, Gary, he has changed positions. He, he was a 4-3 defensive end in college. Now mm-hmm. they're asking him to play outside linebacker and stand up instead of putting his hand on the ground, which is, which is certainly a transition. He fights dyslexia. I think his Wonderlick test was 9 or 10, so his Wonderlick score is low, obviously, because of that. Um, so learning takes a little bit longer because of that dyslexia. He, he's still a pretty, he's a bright kid, Gary. He, or he really is. Uh-huh. And, uh, but, but he fights that dyslexia and it, it, it leads to some, you know, some, some lousy test scores along the way, but I'm with you a year and a half in, we, we, we start to get a pretty clear indicator of who you are. And it, it, mm-hmm. it's time for Rashawn Gary to have a second half of the season where he piles up six sacks or something like that. Yeah. You know, and the same, uh, scout that I talked to had talked to some Packer officials uh, during the off season. And, and he claims that the Packers were still sky high on him, that they believed that he would, uh, you know, turn the corner this season. But, but again, you know how I'm a uh, stats guy, you know, where he ranks in tackles. <laughs> oh, I'm going to guess 15th. <laughs> That's a really good guess. 18th. <laughs> and if you rank 18th in tackles on the Packers, I don't know. It, red flags go up in, in my mind. But yeah, anyways. again, this isn't the 2020 Ravens or the 85 Bears, is it? Yeah, precisely. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, we're talking about players that that could uh, you know impact the Packers down the stretch, guys that could elevate their games. Tell me, Rob, one player though that if they lost outside of Aaron Rodgers, outside the obvious guys, okay? I mean. Rodgers, Jones, you know, Devontae Adam. But I, I, I have one guy specifically on defense. And, but, but first, I want to, you know, get your uh, take on this. Well, I'm going to let you go first, Gary, because my guy was going to be Jones, and you just told me don't take Jones, so I'll find <laughs> you a new guy. Okay, get, I'll, give you, I'll give you a minute or two to uh, get a new one. Sorry about that. But, uh, but my, my guy is uh, Jair Alexander. and. Yeah. Uh, I just think the NFL has become such a passing game that it's imperative that you have 
you know, a, a shutdown corner. And, and I think Alexander is pretty close to being a shutdown corner. And if you take him out of the equation and you have to throw in, let's say, Josh Jackson or whomever, man, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I think the Packers would be in a world of hurt, especially come playoff time when you look at uh, some of the really top teams and, and their whiteouts. You look at Seattle, they got Tyler Lockett and DJ Metcalf. And then you look at Tampa Bay and they got Mike Evans, Godwin, and now Antonio Brown. And, and as we saw the other night with uh, New Orleans, Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, to me, if you lose a cornerback of that caliber, you're in a world of hurt. So he is my man for the guy they can least afford to lose. Gary, if I'm ranking the Packers' top seven or eight players, I'm probably going something like this, right? I'm, okay. Or most most important players. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Rodgers. Clearly, is one. Okay. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. At the start of the year, I would have put Bakhtiari two, and uh-huh. I think he drop. I think he drops a couple spots just because of the the way that line is held in there and and played so remarkably well. Y- yes. Uh, even even though he's been out, and 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 that leads to a whole other conversation we could have. Mm-hmm. about will they resign Bakhtiari now as well as this line is played uh, in, in his absence. But he's, but he's clearly still one of their five most important players. Aaron Jones is in there, no question. Uh, obviously, Devontae is, is in there in, in, in some order. I think Zedarius, Kenny Clark, and like you said, Jair Alexander. In some order, those are far and away your seven most important players. Um, if you lose any of those guys, I think you're, you're in a world of hurt. But mm-hmm. you know, Gary, who, who I'm going to go with, who, who has just shocked me beyond belief this year because I, I wasn't sure what his future was in Green Bay. Um, and, 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 and if they lose him, Gary, they would survive. They would get by. But his, his versatility and his importance to this, this team has, has been shocking, and that's Billy Turner, the offensive lineman. Yeah, you know what, Rob? I don't want to interrupt you, but you are fast – becoming the president of the Billy Turner fan club. <laughs> you well, love that guy, don't you? <laughs> it, well, I didn't have a lot of member. I, I didn't, I did not love him in 2019. He, he's not a natural guard. And, yeah, and that's why yeah. I say, I, I didn't know what his future was when they lost Bulaga. It probably actually played well for, for Turner. Lane Taylor came back, had a terrific summer, won that right guard spot. Obviously Jenkins was entrenched on the other side at left guard, but I'll be honest is, is, mediocre let's give him that as mediocre as billy turner was at right guard in 2019 i wasn't sure if he was going to win that job over ricky wagner uh at right tackle well not only did he do that and he started the year really strong gary on the right side he's jumped out and played unbelievably well on the left side too now in in bakhtiari's absence and and i know the other night then when they got dinged a little bit more on the line they kicked elton jenkins out there and I could easily be arguing right here for Elton Jenkins, Gary, as much as Billy Turner. Um, but, but Turner's versatility, and Jenkins clearly has it too. Jenkins mm-hmm. can play all five spots. You know, but, but Turner's versatility, what, what it's doing, it's, it's giving him a lot of options, A, when injuries hit. And then it's giving him a lot of options looking ahead, too, to 2021 and beyond. Um, like I said, Lindsley's going to be up at center. Uh, Bakhtiari's going to be up at left tackle. Uh, we've talked about this before, Green-based in a world of hurt after this season from a salary cap perspective they've got to try to get those two offensive linemen Aaron Jones Kevin King 
other people potentially inked to, to deals and they don't have a lot of space to do it. So if, if some of these guys walk Gary, I mean, it wouldn't be a shock if Billy Turner's their left tackle of the future. Elton Jenkins is obviously an option there as well. Uh, but Turner probably has more length, longer arms, big hands, things like that, where he could, you know, you could put him in there for a couple of years and, and be absolutely fine as you develop a first round draft pick or something like that. I think the top seven guys on the roster are pretty clear. I outlined uh-huh. before. So if we're going to go a little bit deeper than that, um, to me, Turner's a guy you can't lose. Again, Jenkins is another guy you, you, you really couldn't lose um, without having a significant decline probably in, in, the, in the offensive line play. It's, uh, they, they, they have surprising depth there, Gary. I, I didn't think they had that kind of depth when, when the year began, uh, especially after losing Balaga. Um, mm-hmm. I know they took a few linemen in the draft, but again, those were, those were sixth round and beyond. Um, I, I did not think they were going to get this level of productivity. Corey Lindsley's been the best center in football. Turner's been really good. Jenkins has been good. I mean, even when they've had to fill in with Runyon, he's been good. Lucas Patrick's probably their most surprising player. So uh, across the board, Gary, that, that line's been really good. And, um, you know, I just, I just don't think they can afford a whole lot of dings there, especially because we don't know how long this Bakhtiari injury is going to linger. Yeah, I was teasing you about Billy Turner, but I, I, I totally agree. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a great, great pick on your part there because uh, he has been maybe the most unrecognized player on the Packers this year. I mean, he, he's just done a terrific job. So Really an unsung hero, Gary, no that, doubt. You know what? That was the term I was looking for. Beautiful. <laughs> so moving along here, though, let's uh, take our weekly uh, trip around the NFC North. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, let's start out with the Bears. Uh, I watched the game on Sunday, and their offense is totally inept. They can't score a touchdown to save their lives. They're, they're squandering a very, very good defense. But let's face it, I mean, if you can't score, you're not going to go very far. And I think they've got, what now, three straight losses. They've totaled, get this, Rob, 178 points, Okay. The only, uh-huh. the only more inept team in the NFC is the Giants, who have 168. But, man, I'll tell you what, you know, unless Jim McMahon decides to come out of retirement, uh, th- this team isn't going anywhere. No, they're not. You know, Gary, when they were 5-1, and one, um, and you're right, they're on a three-game losing streak, I looked at the schedule and I thought, well, the, they had three in a row that were pretty tricky. It, it was Tennessee, New Orleans, and somebody else. I, I forget who got them first. Um, but it was against three playoff caliber type of teams. And I thought if they can go one and two through that and even get to six and three, because their next six games, Gary, are pretty soft, but m- moving forward or seven games, I guess. Right. Cause they're five yeah. and four now. Yeah. The, the rest of the schedule for them is, is, is really soft. Uh, but I thought if, if they could be six and three, they might have a chance to push green Bay, find a way to split the two games with the Packers and, and get themselves to 11 or 12 wins. Um, I, I, I think that's a pipe dream right now. They're just, they're so inept offensively. I, I, you know, a month ago, it looked like that game they've got coming up this Sunday against Minnesota was going to be, you know, a 10 point bears win. Well, now the way Dalvin cook is running, I I would think he's going to run all over them as well. Um, and, and Chicago's going to be hard pressed to win that game, but you're right, Gary. I think they're 28th in the league in points. People forget this is who Nick Foles is. When when exactly. you put him in there for a full season, 10, 12, 14 games in a row, that this is who Nick Foles is. He 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 caught lightning in a bottle that postseason with with the Eagles. 
Um, good for him. I mean, it was a terrific run. But again, it, it was a short, it was a small sample size. And you're spot on. They're, they're wasting a top five defense in football. I still think they're going to give the Packers fits a couple different times, Gary, just because that defense is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you're right. At the end of the day, you've got to find a way to score 18, you know, more, more than 18, 19 points a game. And, and that's, where, that's what they're getting right now. Moving on to your, I don't know, are the Detroit Lions your favorite team in the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> I know you like talking I about I don't one, really one have player. a favorite team, Gary. Uh, yeah. I, I do like watching players. Yeah, you, you yeah, can tell I'm in love with Tyler Murray. I love Mahomes. I've always loved J.J. Watt. I mean, guys like that. I just There's certain guys I like to watch. Well, you know, I, I did watch the uh, Lions last Sunday as well, and uh, what, what another debacle, and They've lost, I think, two straight, and uh, I, I don't know if you put a fork in them at, th- at this time, but Stafford left the game with, I think it was a concussion. Uh, their uh, defensive back, Akuda, I think he left or got injured, as I recall. It, they're hurting, and they're not an overly talented team to begin with, but you know, I, I'll say this. I do like some of the young, youngsters, and we may have talked about this before, Hawkinson and Swift and even Cephas, Cephas the former Badger. But uh, they just have so many holes. I, I just don't see how they can uh, dig out of them. Well, it's interesting. Somebody asked Patricia at his press conference yesterday, the head coach, Matt Patricia, asked him on Monday, um, just – Two and a half years in, who are you? Why aren't you guys any better? And, and they're, 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 I mean, it's a great question. I yes, mean, yes. You know, and, and there's no good answer, Gary. I mean, this a lot of these guys are handpicked by Patricia. They're, they're, they're former New England guys that he coached there, that he wanted and that, that he loved, especially on that defensive side of the ball. You know, he, he's gone and been a big part of, of bringing some of those guys in. Um, along the way, like Jamie Collins and some guys in that defensive backfield and people like that. And no, you're right, Gary. I mean, Matt Stafford, I I think he's going to be okay to play on Sunday. It sounds like he cleared concussion right away after that game. Um, you know, but he was concussed in in that game on Sunday. He, he, he cannot carry this franchise any longer. Mm -hmm. They've, it is remarkable. They've, you know, we're looking at what the better part of three decades of, of largely ineptitude, right? I, I think their last division title was 93 or something like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a four team division, Gary. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's not like, it's not like the old days where there are eight or 16 teams in the conference you're competing against to win the division. It's your odds every year are 25%. And they haven't done it in 30 years. I mean, it, it really is incredible. Just that, that they can never get things figured out. They can never get over the hump. They're always between 28th and 32nd in pass defense. They always struggle running the football. They ask, they put so much on Stafford's shoulders, ask them to wing it around, go win the game. The, the last few weeks, they haven't had Kenny Galladay, their Pro Bowl wide receiver, and, and that certainly hurt them. But, but that's no excuse. Everybody has injuries and, and things <laughs> to that effect. I, I don't have any good answer, Gary. They're, you know, the Lions are the Lions. They're, they're going to find ways to lose, and kind of like the Chargers in, in, in the AFC. It's, it's just who they've been for, for three decades. And, I mean, can you imagine being a fan of that organization? It's, <laughs> it, 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 it's, like, be, it's like being a Brewer fan. It just would, would, would drive you absolutely batty. Yeah. You know, like, like I said before, I, I'm not sure if I, I'm going to put a fork in them. 
and the only reason I'm not is – Oh, you can I, put the fork in, Gary. Well, you know what? I, I thought that until I looked at their schedule. I, I know this sounds ludicrous, but their next three games are against Washington, Carolina, and the Texans. And it's not out of the realm of possibilities. They could win all three of those. If they do, they're six and five. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you, if I you, – You know what Washington, Carolina, and the Texans are saying? All right, we have the Lions. <laughs> played the Lions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> precisely, precisely. Hey, uh, and, of course, we got to talk about uh, Minnesota and uh, Delvin Cook, who is simply on fire. I'm trying to remember the last time – I saw a player put back-to-back games like, like Delvin Cook did. He, he rushed for 163 yards against the Packers, and then he had 206 yards against Detroit on Sunday. And get this, Rob. In four of his last five games, okay, what is the fewest number of yards he's had rushing in four of those five games? So throw out the fifth game, which is yeah, obviously yeah. the lowest. Yes, yes. I mean, I think uh, I'll he had, say he had one, one subpar game there. It's not. I'll guess one forty-five, Gary. Yeah, you're, you're pretty close. The fewest yards he's rushed for in four of those games was hundred and thirty. I mean, Crazy. That, the, that the guy is just playing out of his mind, and I think he's had eight touchdowns in that stretch as well. And yeah, he's got eight eight hundred fifty-eight yards for the season. Uh, man, he, he's just been just been incredible, and certainly the reason why you know Minnesota has turned it around. And Gary, he missed a couple of games. People people forget that early in the year, or middle of the year, Good where point. Madison had to Good play. Point. I yeah. mean, he's got what eight hundred some odd yards. You said, and I think it's six games. Um, boy, and, and Gary, you probably remember on during this podcast at the start of the year, I, I said Minnesota's going to struggle in the first half and, and get a lot better and make a run in the second half. And, yes, you did. And, I remember that. And, yep. And, 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 and as you look at it, 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 I, I could, you know, I hate to pat myself on the back, but it, go it, ahead. Being prophetic, Gary, because <laughs> just, just, just look at this. Now they're at the bears where I'm sure they're going to be a slight favorite, mm-hmm. but um, the way the bears have played that, I mean, there's, you know, they don't put any fear in anybody right now. They host the Cowboys, they host the Panthers, and they host the Jaguars. I mean, they could easily be seven and five a month from now. And then they're, they, the end of the year gets a little trickier and stuff like that. But my point is they're going to put themselves right back in the playoff chase. And um, Dalvin Cook is the number one reason why. We, we knew that young defense would, would need six to eight games to, to get some things figured out. I, I think they did that day. They, they came to Lambeau Field and upset the Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to ride Cook. Um, they're going to ask Cousins just to be a game manager and not lose things and try to run Cook 25 times a game and, and go from there. And I'm telling you what, Gary, they're, they're a dangerous team. You know, we, they are very let, much let, so. Let, let's just say they find a way to sneak into the postseason, um, get a little bit healthier on defense, because don't forget the day they came to Green Bay, they were, they were without four, four or five of their top corners um, and, and still found a way to win that football game. But if they can get healthy, they are one of those teams that has the blueprint and the model to beat the Packers, right? Run Cook 25, 30 times. Hope he goes for a buck 70 and a couple of touchdowns. Keep the ball away from Rodgers. It's those kind of teams that if, if you're Green Bay that you look at and they scare you come the postseason. Um, you know, New Orleans can do that to some extent with, with Kamara. 
Um, you know, Seattle can, when Carson comes back healthy, San Francisco obviously did a year ago, but they're so beat up. I don't, I don't think they have the blueprint right now to even, even make the playoffs. And, and, and so they'll, they'll probably fall by the wayside here down the stretch. But I'm telling you, Minnesota is one of those teams that's just kind of lurking and the schedule gets so light for them and so easy that we could be doing this podcast four weeks from now, Gary, and talking about the seven and five Vikings. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally concur. And I, th- I think they are going to be a very, very dangerous team because, you know, at the outset of the season, their number one concern was their secondary. They, they have a, a bunch of new players back there. And I, I've seen progress made in that secondary. And uh, offensively, I, I think they are the best offensive team in the NFC North. I think they have more weapons than the Packers. I mean, I'm a big Aaron Jones fan, but but let's face it, he's not Delvin Cook. Oh, no, I, I'm with you. And they have two legitimate wide receivers now, the emergence of Jefferson, you know, yes. the rookie out of yes. LSU, the, the 22nd pick in the draft, who, who I know Green Bay highly coveted. Now, whether he and Love were sitting there, what, what have they taken Jefferson or Love is, is, is a fascinating discussion, and only Brian Gutekunst really knows um, how that would have played out. But, but I mean – Jefferson's become Minnesota's number one wide receiver, at least in, in the minds of many people. When the Packers and the Vikings played at Lambeau two weeks ago, Gary, Jair Alexander ran with the rookie all day long, and uh, they left Josh Jackson then against Thielen. And so that, that tells you what the Packers and Mike Pettin thought of, of, of Justin Jefferson. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable that, um, you know, a defensive coordinator like Pet, Pettin would already say, all right, Jefferson's their main threat over Thielen who's been a Pro Bowl wide receiver in this league. So, so you're right, and, and, and I'm with you. I love Aaron Jones, too. I, I think he's a dynamic running back, but he's not Dalvin Cook. What you're seeing right now with Dalvin Cook is what you saw with Adrian Peterson a decade ago. I mean, he's, he's, yes. far, and away the best, yes. he's far and away the best running back in football. I don't even think there's a close number two at this point in time. And, uh, you know, he's maybe Henry in Tennessee, I guess. But there's no reason Dalvin Cook can't put these guys on, on his shoulders with, with the pieces they have around him. And, and they can find, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me at all, Gary, to see them sneak into the playoffs. Yeah. I, 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 have you heard my dog in the background? I have not. <laughs> he, he, I have a border collie, and he wants to be part of the show. <laughs> He's outside. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll bring mine next week, Gary. We'll, we'll make it dog week. Sam, my uh, border collie is barking up a storm, and he's looking at me right through the window like, let me in. <laughs> well, he, he's going to have to be a little patient for, for this uh, Rob scintillating podcast. <laughs> so anyways, hey, uh, one more topic I, I just want to briefly touch on is called the parting shots. And uh, it's just something we want to say, uh, something that was brought to our attention in, in the past week. And for me, it was the Saints game against Tampa Bay. And I'll tell you what, to me, the Saints sent a message to the NFL that, hey, we're back. We're for real. We're Super Bowl contenders. And I, I remember going into the season, I kind of pegged New Orleans as my preseason pick to come out of the NFC with Kansas City coming out of the AFC. And then I had the Chiefs winning it all. But, you know, then they, they started out slowly. I got on the Packer bandwagon. I got on the Seattle bandwagon. But I'll tell you what, Rob, I, I'm back on that Saints bandwagon, and they look pretty good. Well, that's a good one, Gary. My parting shot, and I know we addressed it a little bit last week, um, but, but I'm going to take one more final shot at Brian Gutekunst, the Packers general manager, because, because this is still recent. When, when we're doing this podcast, we're less than one week away 
from, you know, removed from what was the NFL training deadline. And, and I'm going to just go back, Gary, to the point that, that, that Gutekunst did blow it on, on uh, when it came to the trading deadline, not just last Tuesday, Gary, but even the week or two leading up to the trading deadline. When, when you looked around the league and you saw all the high-level defensive players being moved for fifth and sixth-round draft picks, I, I know a lot of people got really fixated on the Will Fuller for a number two pick type of a deal. And you know what? I think Gutekunst totally did the right thing there. I, I think you know, Lafleur is smart enough, and he'll find a way to score, like I said, 30 points the overwhelming majority of playoff games with Jones and with Adams and with, with Tanyan and with Lazard once he comes back and Jamal Williams. There's enough pieces there. I don't think they have enough pieces, Gary, on, on the defensive side of the ball. I think they needed mm-hmm. another defensive end. If it was Dunlop who went to Seattle for a six, if it was a nose like McClendon to help in the run game who went for a six to Tampa Bay, um, if it was Everson Griffin who went to the Lions, another defensive end, or if it was an inside linebacker like Quan Alexander going from um, San Francisco to New Orleans. Gary, the overwhelming majority of these de- defensive players were being traded for sixes and sevens. Right. Why Green no, Bay no, no brainers, right? Completely. Why Green Bay didn't get in on that, I, I still have absolutely no idea. They have three fourth-round picks coming in the 2021 draft. It's not like they're devoid of draft picks. Um, you're looking at 2020 and then 2021 with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. It's got to be a win now mentality, at least for this group of Packers. And the general manager just didn't help them at all uh, at, at the trading deadline. Like we talked about on the show last week, I, I still think they're going to win 12, 13 games in a playoff game along the way, maybe even reach the NFC championship. But the roster still just isn't quite good enough, I think, Gary, to get over the hump. They could have done that with another piece or two at the trading deadline. And for whatever reason, the general manager chose to sit it out. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I would not want to be Brian Gutekunst if this team flames out in the first round of the playoffs, because I mean, you're at the doorsteps of a Super Bowl appearance. You have two big opportunities to get your team over the hump at the trading deadline. And, the, and of course the draft and, and you came away with nothing, absolutely nothing. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a Gutekunst fan. I, I really like overall what he's done. But, man, I'll tell you what, I, I think they might have let a golden opportunity uh, slip by him now. And, Gary, you, you know what buys a general manager an extra two or three years on the job? A young quarterback. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, so it does. That's got to be part of the thinking here in 2021 or 2022 when they turn things over. So, um, but in the here and now, you, you did nothing to help the 2020 Green Bay Packers. And, and for that fa- for the Packer fan base to be up in arms about it, I, I think they're spot on. They have every reason to be up in arms. Um, and, and so I know, again, that that happened a week ago. But that's my parting shot because it is, I, I think it is still so fresh for Green Bay fans. Good one. Well, Rob, that should do it. Let's uh, put a bow on this show. And I want to thank you uh, for, for, for providing us with another show of gems, one after another, <laughs> you know, you are the, you are the Delvin Cook of podcasts right now. <laughs> so, like, uh, like, like I keep saying, Gary, with, with all your flattery, you're you're, you're giving my eulogy someday. Oh, and I, <laughs> well, hopefully not for another twenty five, thirty. Well, well, let's hope yes. forty years. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, well, Rob, thanks again. I, I appreciate your help, and I want to thank uh, you, the listeners. Uh, We really appreciate it. Take care.
For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and Woofle'sPressBox.com. <laughs>